Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. My man spider sense is tingling. Hey, look, it's man spider. How's it going, true believers? When I'm swinging through Colorado and I need comic books, I head to Arvada, Colorado to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. Oh no, the teal troll is attacking me! My son's in danger! Will no one help him? Oh no, it's Man Spider! Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, the whips the competition with great deals on back issues. 50% off, hold slot, 20% off list price. You want sports memorabilia? They got that too. Where are you going, Man Spider? The teal troll still has my son. Here's web in your eye. Oh no, I'm bested by Man Spider again. So visit 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado, and tell them the real nerd sent you. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Adventure Lounge. My name's Jagger. And I'm Zach. And we're on Real Nerds. Come check out the awesome crossover episode. Welcome to Rindler's Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2019 and beyond. I am here today with Zach and a returning guest, Aaron. Aaron. Welcome back, Aaron. Pendergast, that is. What the hell are you doing here? Um, Zach said they needed people, and when he told me it was Detective Pikachu week, I was like, I've played the Pokemon mobile game, so I'm pretty much an expert on Pokemon, so I feel, felt like I should be on the show. Nice, yeah. Well, we fired the other two guys, and so... Uh, yeah. yeah they they knew nothing about Pokemon, so um, we had to do it. Yeah. I can't believe you podcasted with them for seven years, eight years now, and you didn't know that they didn't know Pokemon. Um, you know, it just never came up. You Should, know, this is the first Pokemon movie we've had. Yeah. To talk about in. You went into the room and you're like, "I'm so excited, guys! A new Pokemon movie." They'd be like, "What's the fuck's that nerd shit?" And you were like, "Get out! You're no longer welcome in my podcast." <laughs> so how are you doing on the Pokemon Go game? Uh, you know, I have uh, I have most of the Pokemons at this point. Uh, <laughs> nice. I got really bored when like I would constantly go places and there would be no Pokemon anywhere. It's kind of annoying, yeah. We yeah. found no. a ton at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Way too many. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, the game did kind of ebb and flow there. There was a, a time where I just stopped playing it because there wasn't any new content and it was kind of boring. And they've since added some improvements to make it a little more enjoyable. But, yeah, it, it definitely has its moments where you're like, all right, we need some new content, guys. Nothing going on. Was, who was the developer? Was it Nintech or whatever it was? Uh, like, Niantic. Niantic. Uh, like, I stopped using it because it kept kicking me out of my account. So every time I would re-log in or try to change the password. So they don't want you anymore. <laughs> like, uh, Zach's a registered user. He just keeps capturing Close pidgeys. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's send him all the lamest Pokemon we can. Pidgeys, Caterpreeze, Butterfree. No Butterfreeze, only Caterpreeze. And you can't give him the ability to level up, so. Yeah. 
I think I did get a Pikachu at one point, though. That was fun. Yeah, that was the only thing I ever got that was interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. But speaking of Pikachu... Yeah, this week. Uh, every week, the Real Nets go see a new movie, and they podcast their experience of the world. And this week, we saw Detective Pikachu. Or, excuse me, Chimpokomon the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, no this is a uh, much family friendlier than uh, Shin pokemon the movie fuck <laughs> so, review over all right um <laughs> good night everybody uh so stay stay tuned to the end of the episode for that review um we will talk about it a little bit and then play the trailer and then we'll do spoilers although i don't know what if there's really spoilers for this movie. I think there's a spoiler in this film. If you're we'll a fan for, of Pokemon, yeah, it'll definitely be spoiled for you. Well, I think there's also a human spoiler in this film. So, Yeah, maybe. Um, but until then, uh, let's go around town with me. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Why, do, why would I go around town with you? Why are you mentioning it? You're such a narcissist. I'm just reading the, the sheet here. <laughs> like, yeah, it makes no sense. Like, no one would hang out with me ever. Yeah, exactly. You know, but hey, you do go to some pretty cool places. Why don't you tell us about some of them? One of those is the drive-in, and they are playing Detective Pikachu, followed by Endgame, and then Captain Marvel. So, Oh, so they only got rid of Shazam. Yeah, which is like two months old now. So. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it doesn't feel like it, though. But Captain Marvel's even older, so... but. It's got the support of Endgame, so yeah, and it's that makes a little more sense. Yeah, and, and it's Disney; they they own everything now. At this yeah, point. they probably got like a deal for playing both. Yeah, I'm in a deal right now for them to buy us. So you know, fingers crossed, guys. We might be sellouts. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's what Ryan's been looking forward to for <laughs> eight years. He's just gonna, he's just gonna live in the vault. He's just gonna abandon his wife and kid <laughs> to live in that vault. <laughs> what if we did have to sell a brand? I don't know if I could. It'd have to be a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like enough to enough to not have to think about it for the rest of your life. Uh, the Emerging Filmmakers Project continues this <laughs> Thursday, um, the seventeenth. Right on. That's at the Bug Theater. How much is it? It's always five dollars. Five dollars. Right on. That's not um, too bad for a bunch of short films, and you get Q and A's with the filmmakers 16th. at the end of it. Sorry, no, that's seventeenth. Okay. Don't show up on Friday. Show up on Thursday. Okay, yeah, so Thursday the sixteenth, guys. Yeah, go watch some short films. Watch some filmmakers do some Q and A's. Yep, hang out at the Bug. And I think that's it. There's a Batman and Robin screening on Tuesday. Oh, wow. Um, I'll clear my schedule. At, <laughs> at various theaters, they're willing to do that. Um, I never saw it in the theater, so I'm going to give it a shot. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I do remember seeing that in the theater, but I was, you know, I don't even know how old I was when that movie came out. Not old enough to have taste. Exactly. I saw, my yeah, dad took much. me to see it in the theater only because we couldn't find a copy of Batman Sub-Zero animated at the video store. Which I found out later was because it wasn't released until the year after that. <laughs> yeah. I was so convinced as a kid, Sub-Zero's at the video store. Go to the Blockbuster. It wasn't there. So he's like, well, I'll take you to this Batman. And I walked out thinking that was a good Batman movie. And I was a dumb kid. So, <laughs> um, but. I remember being in high school and like watching some other movie. And that trailer for Batman and Robin came out. I was like, this looks badass. <laughs> and then once reviews came out and um, more information was revealed. Yeah. Yeah, you just but you did end up watching like, it. Obviously. I can skip it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. on DVD. Um, you know what though? If we did go, I mean, I, at least I want to go to a screening and see if it's completely empty. Because if it is, I'm going to make fun of it throughout the entire thing. <laughs> it probably will be. I'll explain later. Sweet. Do a live riff tracks of it. Yeah, Ooh, that'd yeah. be fun. Oh fuck yeah! Unless someone just 
you know, wanders into the screening it's and the doesn't pay for it, it like I had to endure. It's going to be the fattest nerd ever. He's going to enter that and be like, excuse me, guys, I'm trying to watch this cinematic masterpiece of Schumacher. Were you there? Because you're kind of <laughs> describing what I ran into. Um, anyway, so that's what's going on around town. Nice. Cool. What else do we do on this fucking show, Brad? Um, I guess we can talk about the real news. It's real news. Uh, we got a bunch of trailers. Um, where to start? Um, I'm going to start off briefly with the Watchmen trailer for HBO. Um, it looks interesting. Um, I... I've grown to appreciate Damian Lindelof as I've gotten older because I used to be young and angry and dumb. Um, it seems like what he's done with this is kind of create a sequel that doesn't like dismiss what Snyder did, but it also doesn't acknowledge it either. Like it kind of just seems like it's coming afterward. Um, I like the idea of the Rorschach cult um, and what kind of role it would play in the grand scheme of how Watchmen in this iteration would comment on America. Cause that's basically what it's going to do. Um, and I like the idea of Jeremy Irons playing Adrian Veidt. I think that's a really good casting call. Um, especially if you're going older for him. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what it is. Um, yeah, no, I watched it and I was totally confused and this didn't seem like I'm not a huge Watchmen fan. So right. Okay. I'm, I'm not like, Oh, well this doesn't match. But at the same time, you know, I've seen the movie and I just, this didn't feel like anything no, well, related to it. See, and I thought for the longest time that it was supposed to be just an adaptation of the book in series form. And then it could go off into whatever it wanted to do. Like game of Thrones does. Apparently it's a sequel or it's like set later. Um, Cause the idea of a Rorschach cult, like if you don't know the character of Rorschach, he's, like a, an uber vigilante, like like Batman if he were a homicidal maniac, um, which I guess Snyder already did technically. No, he's just a kid at high school. <laughs> His um, teacher's Mr. Cotter. That's <laughs> no, Horshack. Horshack. <laughs> Rorschach. Oh my God, Horshack as Rorschach. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, guys, w- welcome back, Watchmen. <laughs> John Travolta's in it. <laughs> he plays the night owl. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't have sex with her. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't give it up, Juniper. <laughs> Sally Jupiter. That's her name, Sally Jupiter. Um, but you know, the Rorschach character, like, he dies at the end of the first Watchmen book. Uh, spoiler. Hey, you saw the movie, shut up. Um so but the idea that his ideals, um, because of the letters he sent to that publishing company, um, would endure or he sent it to a newspaper, sorry. But, like, those ideas would endure and create a cult is actually, like, very astute. So um, I'm glad I'm not the only one who also thought it was just an adaptation of the book in series format because that when I saw the trailer, I was like, wait, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. And then I read a few things that said, you know, it looks like a sequel and everything. And right. then, then it made more sense. But Or it could be both, you know. Again, we're only seeing, like, a piece of footage. I think it's a really well-edited trailer, though. Like, no, no question about it. Um, but... The biggest news of of the trailer world is obviously Spider Man Far From Home. Um which uh we did, we it came out this week, right? Yeah, I guess I didn't I yeah, didn't we realize didn't. it is it it is a new trailer. Yeah. It is a new trailer, yeah, because we didn't talk about it when we recorded Missing Link. Um no, um yeah, so we got a new Spider Man trailer, which uh Ryan seems to always be missing for these discussions. <laughs> um uh I liked it. It looks fun. Um, definitely answered the question of whether or not this takes place before or after. Um, mm-hmm. I was wrong. So, uh, but um, also, I guess 
in relation to that news, like I guess this Earth is now the MCU Earth is like Earth six one six or something like that. So, which because, if Ryan was here, he could explain that better. Yeah. Um, the the easiest way I can is they introduce the multiverse theory, and that's as far as I go with it knowledge-wise. All I know is is that Jake Gyllenhaal looks like he's working with Nick Fury, but I'm sure that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to turn out to be a dick at the end of the movie. If there's a multiverse, I wonder, does that mean that there there is a living... Um, wait, I should be more less specific. Uh, there might be living characters that did not make it through Endgame Ooh. in other multiverses. That means you could bring back some Loki. Um well, I guess they're already doing that with the TV show. Yeah. Right. Well, um, they kind of established that in the movie, too. I'm thinking of some non-snapped people. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah. Loki wasn't snapped. Um, well, he was, but different kind of snap. <laughs> yeah, they snapped his neck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, um, well, Gamora, they already solved Gamora at the end of Endgame. Spoilers, guys. It's been long enough. Um, uh, I guess Scarlet, or well, Black Widow, uh, and Vision, honestly. Vision would be an interesting uh, pull. Because, like, I honestly thought he was going to come back <laughs> at the end of Endgame. And then I was like, oh, no, no, no. They kept to their guns on that one. Yeah. Okay, good. He was the last to die before the snap, so. Exactly, right. yeah. And then and then Thor hit him with an axe and was like, you should have aimed for the, for the head. And then snap. I kind um, of assumed anyone that died pre-snap was not coming back when they undid the snap. Just because there's only so, you know. I guess, in theory, if you, as ridiculous as the whole premise is, mm-hmm. um you would think undoing whatever he did would just undo that action, not any previous actions. Right. Yeah. But not knowing the actual mechanics of how the gauntlet works with a snap, I'm just like, you know, it, it seems like you can control anything, so you could wish those people back, which I would Banner try to do. I think it's basically the same mechanical operations as Mickey's hat in The Sorcerer Apprentice, where it just does whatever the fuck you want it to do. Exactly, that's... Um, that's why I'm questioning why they can't just bring those people back regardless of the snap because story and money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but um, I, be, I mean obviously though they're not sticking to their guns on Loki technically because they're going to bring him back for that show that he's doing but it's not the same Loki so I guess it doesn't really matter because his future would still be set even if he went away with the Tesseract right well he, he created an alternate universe Oh, by doing that. Then, so. never, then never mind. Yeah. yeah. They cheated again. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe um, the old multiverse is Loki's doing. Could be, yeah. Uh, because he took off, that's what created it. Ooh, yeah. there you go. So Loki, Tom, Tom Hiddleston's still managing to be a part of this franchise after how many years? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the, the rest of the trailer looked fun too. Like I liked Spider-Man hanging out, being a high school kid, and then, you know, suddenly not doing that. I really want to know how they're going to deal with that five-year jump with because oh, like half of his friends from high school in theory should be out of high school and into college by now. Yeah, so exactly. did just the key characters from the first new Spider-Man movie happen to not or happen to be ones that were snapped away as well? Yeah, Flash Thompson, MJ, Ned, they're all they like, were all snapped away. You said Aunt May, yeah. Aunt May, no, I. Well, I she must have been snapped too because she was at the funeral and she seemed. Age. she didn't age <laughs> yeah so she probably got snapped away yeah. yeah yeah but you know we'll see i mean ryan's a spider-man excerpt so next week he'll be able to talk a little bit more about this yeah uh last trailer though that we got is my favorite of the week which is it chapter two um oh i haven't watched that one yet that was a fun trailer uh it's not really a spoiler or anything it shows a a, a, a lengthy scene from the film and then shows a bit of a montage Kind of like what the first It trailer was doing, where they showed the scene of Georgie in the balloon um, in the sewer. 
Um, I like the way they're going with this, like in terms of just setting. I didn't realize Jack, uh, James McAvoy was in it. Oh yeah, no, he plays Bill in it. Um, yeah, the adult cast is pretty killer. It is like the fact that they got Jessica Chastain to do it is awesome. It didn't surprise me that she was able to do it though, because he's she's worked with the director before um, on the movie Mama, so um, it looks great. Um, I liked the way the the drama was kind of pulled out in that scene prior to the horror kicking in. Um, and I mean, yeah, like I'm excited as anybody else to watch the, the conclusion of this whole nonsense. Uh, cause I saw chapter one first and then I watched the mini series. So I already know how it ends. Um, and then, uh, so I'd like to see how they do it better this time around. Um, there is a piece of news within that though, that, um, uh, there's a scene from the, from the book that's supposed to kick in the adult years um, where a kid and his boyfriend are making out near a bridge and a bunch of homophobic people come and kind of bully and torture them. And that's how Pennywise is able to ascend. And he ascends with like a hundreds of red balloons floating from above a bridge from below a bridge. And there was thoughts that that scene wasn't going to come out, come into the film or make the final cut. It is, and filmmaker Xavier Dolan's playing the uh, character in question who gets beat up. So, yeah, you get to see a bunch of balloons rise from below a bridge. It'll be it'll be quite a visual spectacle. Um, we uh, sorry, I'm trying to make sure I had this right. Oh, we had a death this week. Uh, Alan Sar- Alvin Sargent passed away. Uh, he was the screenwriter for Ordinary People and Spider Man's One Two Three. So. Yeah. This guy had an interesting career. Uh, he also wrote the film Julia, which he won an Oscar for. Um, and he wrote Paper Moon, which uh, if you haven't seen Paper Moon, it's a wonderful film. Um, but yeah, Big Bucket of Wind at 92. I mean, I, I mean, like he didn't write all of Spider-Man 1, but he wrote Spider-Man 2. So yeah. he's responsible for one of the best comic book movies of all time, um, which I was actually watching um, this morning with my nephew. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, did you know there's going to be a Cats movie? Yep. Did what? you know that Tom Hooper's directing it? No. Nope. Did you know that Taylor Swift's going to be in this shit? No. Nope. Oh apparently she apparently she went to cat school to learn how to be a cat. This isn't really news. I just wanted to bring this up because I'm amazed. <laughs> like that, I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I'm not like the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world, but I'm like, damn man, you you're committed. Like I'll give you that. <laughs> if you really... well, when you got all the money in the world, and you can go to whatever fucking cat school you made up. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm just mainly amazed that this is actually a thing. I thought I didn't think this was actually happening. This this is like James's preacher shit, where you're just like, no, this is never going to happen. And I'm shocked it didn't happen sooner. Like in the '80s and early '90s, like cats was huge. Exactly. Yeah. That's, That's, I would have thought then you would see this. Yeah, exclu- didn't they have? But they did have that video of the live performance that Warner Brothers would sell. Like you would see it. Like I see it. Like in every like 99 cent bin you can ever see like at a garage sale or something like next that. to the river dance. Yes. River dance and the nutcracker with Macaulay Culkin. You can, that's the trilogy right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no cats, the movie, um, you want to watch a, sh- want to watch a shitty musical, um, film made, it, Go made into here. a shittier movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't like I, Andrew Lloyd Webber has made one good musical and that's not even that great. Um, fight me. Uh, the Invisible Man reboot, remake, whatever that's being done at uh, Blumhouse has a plot um, synopsis revealed. Um, it's going to be directed by Lee Wannell. The plot description as it stands is 
Movie follows Celia, Elizabeth Moss, who receives the news of her abusive ex-boyfriend's suicide. She begins to rebuild her life for the better, but her sense of reality is put into question when she begins to suspect her deceased lover is not actually dead. I like this because if you watch the original Invisible Man, he is an abusive jerk. Uh, and he's also a homicidal maniac who killed a hundred people. He is the he has he is the killer in the Universal Monster series with the highest body count. So the direction they're going with this essentially is to kind of reverse engineer it and tell it from the girlfriend's perspective, which I appreciate. Um, and the fact that Lee Wannell's doing it is pretty fucking amazing. So um, and they're doing it low budget, so that's good. That means they learned their lesson from that mummy nonsense. Um, that's an interesting direction. I like the sound of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's that's how you'd, you you should never have tried to connect these films necessarily. You should have kind of just like one organically like MCU did, where it's just see what happens. But also like those the 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 Universal monsters like in that box set that I got over there, those films like work best on their own, but they are like thematically and <laughs> spiritually connected. So they can kind of just they can all coexist if they want, but they probably shouldn't by necessity. And just trying to make them action blockbusters. That was a dumb idea. Um, <laughs> that was always a They dumb got idea. away with the mummy uh, for two tries. Yeah. Um, that's not enough to, for me to say, like, yeah, these should be a franchise that's, you know, making a billion dollars at the box office. And you have to realize, like, I mean, Blumhouse is running it, but Universal's still, like, attached to it. This is their fourth time to set off this shit. They tried it with Van Helsing. They tried it with Dracula Untold. They tried it with um, The Mummy with Tom Cruise. And the only reason I think that the mummy movies by Steven Summers work is because they're not meant to be like, they're scary for kids, but they're not scary for adults. I feel like they're less about the mummy. Like they're oh, more no, it's about, a, it's about Rick O'Connell and Rick his O'Connell, adventures yeah. with her, with it's with more Indiana, Indiana Jones brother. than it is. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what I was thinking about this this week. Yeah. They, the th- and the second one is just as fun. The third one is, it's a movie. Um, yeah, I think repurposing these characters as indie horror um, will give them a better new life. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, like, technically, if we want to, you know, cross-pollinate studios, The Shape of Water is already the creature from the Black Lagoon movie. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they've already won, right? Uh, last, piece of, <laughs> last piece of news, um, and stop me if I'm um, out of date with this, but uh, Spider-Man Far From Home news uh, J. Jonas Jameson and the Daily Bugle will appear in the MCU, which makes my heart sing. Uh, yeah. That's I exciting. Who, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I I, I wonder who's going to play that J. Jonas, J. Jonas Jameson part. That's s- iconic. I saw someone on the internet suggest that uh, Terry Crews was going to do it, and I was like, that'd be cool. <laughs> I would see that. Um, my, But my obviously my heart would want J.K. Simmons to come back. I know he won't do it. Like, or I know they're not going to do it, but they should. If the multiverse theory exists, then they could pull him from the Raimi universe and bring him into the MCU. <laughs> I'll buy it if they do it. I'll buy and, that. And while you're at it, bring in Willem Dafoe. Let's get him in as the Green Goblin one more time. <laughs> I mean, not content with buying Fox out. They're they're slowly trying to buy out Sony. The multiverse thing's interesting, too, because I've heard this is kind of how they'll bring <laughs> X-Men and some of the other Marvel properties they've picked up back into the fold. Is That's why we haven't seen these characters before, because they were in another universe, and now they got pulled into ours. I would explain why Scarlet Witch isn't part of the X-Men in this universe, but in another universe, she is. And my name is Patrick Stewart, and I, I can't do that accent. Anyway, that's news. 
I might be wrong, but I was trying to think of what other, because a lot of the MCU that we know is adaptations of like recent comic book storylines. Um, and one of those is House of M, which I think uh, Scarlet Witch was a big part of, or at least the catalyst of. Isn't it yes, that she, she destroys? Isn't it that she destroys the X Men or something like that? Something like that. Yeah, she wipes out like half of, like, well, not like a Thanos, but I think she wipes out like half of the mutants or something, and yeah. it's this whole thing. Did she feel sad about it? But she should. She wiped out half the X Men. I don't. Know, I think she's crazy or something. Yeah, like, it's it's, like it's a super super dark. Um, comic like side series I don't think it's actually like you know it's one of those alternate universe mm. didn't happen in the main canon kind of things because a bunch of people get like really messed up in it there's one storyline or like or even offshoot I can't remember what exactly it is but I think it's like it's set years in the future and it pits Wolverine against Cyclops and Cyclops is basically taking the Magneto position and Wolverine is defending uh, Charles Xavier's position because years have passed by and uh, Wolverine or uh, Cyclops became more militant. Um, it was an interesting story. Not that would all tie into Logan. Yeah, yeah. it would actually. Oh, oh, hashtag it's all connected with Fox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the movie, they kind of suggest that uh, Xavier had like a mental breakdown that killed all the mutants. But what if it was like actually Scarlet Witch, but he thought it was him? Ooh. Oh, yeah. That could be interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway. But I also don't want anything touching Logan because that yeah. thing's good on its own. <laughs> yeah. It's Disney's now. Yeah. They can true. play with it. Fuck. <laughs> I, I, still, one of my favorite moments in X-Men movie history is Patrick Stewart in a wheelchair talking about the quesalupa at Taco Bell because <laughs> he's having his dementia spell. <laughs> but it's okay because then he makes me cry later. Anyway, that's news, like I said. Cool. Uh, Corinne has her usual Cash in the Classics for us. And this week she saw Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. So here's Corinne. Hey nerds, Corinne here for part 20.2 of Catching the Classics, which is actually part two of Catching the Miyazaki Classics. It's a little bit of a spin-off series I'm going to be doing over the next couple of weeks where I'm going to be reviewing all 11 of Hayao Miyazaki's um, films that he's directed. So this week, I'm going to be tackling Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which is one of his films I hadn't seen before, so coming at it with a fresh perspective. So just a quick synopsis of the movie. So Nausicaa is this princess in a valley um, set near the coastline because it's in a post-apocalyptic world, and there's like all this stuff in the air, and so the fact that they're near this... Um, coast you know with all the wind coming off the sea that's good for them um because so it's post-apocalyptic world um where humanity like a thousand years before had wiped out most of like civilization through something it's it's basically nuclear weapons but they're called the god soldiers and one of them is in the movie minor spoilers um so earth is recovering from that and there's these forests that have taken over most of the world. And the forests are gu guarded by ohms, which are these giant bug things. Um, there are also other bugs, but the ohms are the biggest of them. And um, so Nausicaa is helping to lead her people, helping them to learn to live alongside the forest and the bugs. And then there's a bunch of like political turmoil that comes to the Valley of the Wind. So, um, I want to say that even though I haven't reviewed Princess Mononoke yet, um, this film reminds me a lot of 
Princess Mononoke in that they have similar tones and similar themes. Both of them have this kind of political, environmental, industrial kind of thing going on. Different, like the same aspects, the same kind of messages to them. And, I mean, I enjoyed watching the movie. It wasn't as fun as Porco Rosso. I mean, Porco Rosso is like a breezy 90-minute watch. And this is like much more ambitious in terms of like the world and the story it's building. It's heavier in terms of its themes and its messages. And it's just, it's, it's a lot more dense and I appreciate what they were trying to accomplish, but I think those things are done better in Princess Mononoke, the in political and environmental angles. And there are just a lot of moving parts in this movie. And I find it kind of interesting that it was classified as a children's film. Like when I went to go pick it up from the library, it was in the kids section. And I don't know, that just seems like a weird choice for me. I think older kids, like, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds would be fine with it. But I feel like a five or six-year-old would be confused or overwhelmed because, like I said, I think there's a lot going on in this movie, at least compared to Porco Rosso or, like, My Neighbor Totoro or Ponyo. Like, I feel like those are very, like, young, kid-friendly Miyazaki films. And this is, like a little bit more older kid to preteen, sort of. I mean, not like you couldn't enjoy it as an adult, but I think older kids would be able to appreciate it more than younger ones. So, anyway, and, and plus there are some parts that felt a little bit long. So I think kids, I don't know, obviously it just depends on the kid, but I think that younger ones might not enjoy it as much as the older ones. So, yeah, this is really hard to review because I do appreciate what they were trying to do, but again, I think Princess Mononoke does it better, but that being said, by no means is it a bad movie. It's, I mean, it's just, it's really well done. I like the design of the ohms. I think they're really, really cool, and I like how they interact with the world of the story there's a lot of like really cool visuals in the movie and I really like the character of Nausicaa because when she was first introduced she was kind of this I mean she came across to me as this like borderline like Disney princess type of character where she's you know cares about the animals and she's you know like everybody loves her and she's almost too good to be true like she seemingly doesn't have any faults and because of that she almost doesn't feel real but there's this scene um it's about a third of the way through the movie where spoilers minor spoilers ahead um so this other kingdom invades the valley of the wind and there these soldiers come into the castle and they kill Nausicaa's father the king and so Nausicaa runs in and she sees these soldiers standing over the um, you know, her father's dead body, you know, having killed him, and she just goes apeshit, and she just kills all of them, and it's a kind of a really dark turn. I mean, I mean, it, I don't know how to explain it without giving away too much. Um, it's probably the darkest thing that happens in the movie in terms of 
the tone because I feel like the visuals get darker, but the tone kind of stays like this middle area where it's, it's not light, but it's not dark. But this is a really heavy scene where you see the main character run out and kill some fools. And it's a great moment for her because afterward she feels terrible about it. You know, instead of using this moment to be like, like these people came in and they invaded our country and they killed my father. Like, I'm going to get them. Like, we're going to fight back. They don't deserve to. It actually does the opposite and it makes her recommit to pacifism and to protecting life. She tells her people like, we can't fight them because, well, one, they're much better armed, but two, you know, it's not worth losing another life over this. Like, yes, it sucks that their home is being invaded, but she's like, I would rather us lose our home than lose each other. And that's just such a great moment. I was like, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> I love this character. I love this, you know, this what it's trying to tell, even though, again, I think there were some parts of it that are a little too heavy for kids, but um, I think the the message is good. And plus, she has this cute little, I think they called it a fox squirrel, Tato. Oh, it's the cutest thing. And it like hangs out. It's like a little sidekick, kind of like Abu and Aladdin. And But it's so cute. <laughs> I want one. I want, I want a fox squirrel. Can somebody get to work on that? Um... But yeah, so yeah, it's just a really well-made film. The voice cast is, this might be one of the better voice casts, I think. Um, Edward James Olmos, Patrick Stewart, Uma Thurman. I forget the lady who plays Nausicaa, but she does a great job. The one problem I have with it is Shia LaBeouf plays Nausicaa's, I don't know if he's supposed to be her love interest. He's a prince from another kingdom and she and him team up at some point in the movie and spend a lot of time together. And I mean, I guess they could become love interests later on, but that's not really the point of the movie. Um, but yeah, he, I don't know. He just has such a distinct voice that, I, I mean, I just could not not hear Shia LaBeouf whenever he talked. He just sounds very... Like, you just know it's him, and you just can't not hear Shia LaBeouf any time he talks. So, that's just me. I, I, he doesn't do a bad job. I just think you probably could have found somebody who was arguably better. So, yeah, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. Good movie. I, I, obviously, all these Miyazaki movies are worth watching. I think this is... I don't know. It's, <laughs> let's just say, I'll give it a B. And again, you got to grade it on a Miyazaki curve. So it's, it's a B in terms of like Miyazaki movies, but it's like a, you know, A in terms of like anything else you could probably watch these days. So check it out if you feel so inclined. Um, I think there are Miyazaki movies I like better. I think there are Miyazaki movies that are done better. But again, this is by no means a bad film. So, check it out. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. So, next week, I'm going to be reviewing Castle in the Sky, which is another one of the Miyazaki movies I haven't seen yet, so... Ooh, I'm excited. 
So I will talk to you all next time, and I hope you had fun at your mu- movie this week. Bye. Uh, yeah, I should preface this before. Uh, it's uh, She's cashing in the Miyazaki classics now. So Yeah, right um, uh, Yeah, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. I haven't seen it, and I, she clearly has explained most of it for me. It's extremely political from what it seems like, or at least like got some heavy themes to work with. So, right. um, And Patrick Stewart's in it, so hey. Nice. Yeah, I actually have not seen that one either, and I feel like it was playing this coming weekend at my usual theater or a different weekend at a theater that we usually go to, and we were not going to be in town, so we weren't able to catch it. But eventually we'll get around to seeing it. I feel it. like a lot of theaters have a lot of Miyazaki series going on. Because they make money. I had Miyazaki no idea. Equal money. All the ones I've been to, they've been low attended, so I don't like at the Esquire and okay, so Alamo then Miyazaki one. makes no money. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the American side, it's Disney. So right, um, yeah, maybe but, they maybe they promote it better. I don't know. Yeah, and he has a good. I mean, he has a good following in this country, but I think in the wrong market, it doesn't play well. And maybe we're just not a big enough market to have a lot of attendance at those. But if you showed it in California, maybe enough people would show up to. Makes sense. I find it fascinating how much of a reach his work does have, though, because I'm not a big anime guy, but I like Miyazaki. So there, and I know it's not technically the same thing, but yeah, it's... and some of these actually, they aren't Miyazaki; they're just Studio Ghibli in, in general. So yeah, exactly. Um, but like you know, Spirited Away, I maintain is still one of the best animated films I've ever seen. So yeah. um, I'd also like to point out that uh, Corinne is also um, writing blogs about these Miyazaki classics on the website. Mm-hmm. So check those out, and she's also doing some blacklist recaps. I know. Um, I read. I read one of them. That uh, was the QT or the the her Kill Bill comparison. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it. So go over to the website. She's writing articles now. Check them out. Give them a read. Yep. And uh, do some reading in your life. <laughs> yeah. You can't just listen to everything and, and watch everything. Um, I guess you're watching letters go by as you read. Yeah, technically, but you you control that though. The movie, you don't get to, well, I guess you can control the film, too, with rewind and fast forward, so. Anyway, read a fucking book. Anyway, Brad, what else would we do? Zach, what Blu-rays, 4Ks, and DVDs are coming out? I will tell you. DVD releases the Blu-rays. Do you want to see Godzilla in 4K? And I'm not talking about good Godzilla. I'm talking about bad Godzilla. Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Yes, Matthew Broderick. You can get. Roland Emmerich's Godzilla in 4K this week, and it looks like it's in a steelbook too. So, wow! If you really want to give Sony money for dumb decisions, go ahead and do that. <laughs> that movie sucks. <laughs> um, Criterion, however, is putting out a good movie called Funny Games um, from Michael Haneke, and uh, you can pick that up. It's the original version from 1997. So, uh, that's a great film. He's a great filmmaker. That movie will disturb you. Uh, if you want to uh, play catch with Kevin Costner in 4K, you can do that with Field of Dreams, which is coming out in a regular 4K and in a steelbook. Um, a documentary that Brad and I saw in IMAX called Apollo 11 is coming to Blu-ray. Uh, it doesn't say anything about a 4K, so I think it's just a Blu-ray, which sucks, but whatever. Documentaries don't get treated well. Um, Shout Select is doing This Gun for Hire, uh, a 1942 noir film with Veronica Lake, Robert Preston, and Alan Ladd. Um, I have seen this film. It is really fun. You can go check that out if you'd like. Um, one of my favorite films from this year, Fighting With My Family, uh, is coming out on Blu-ray. Um, you can check that out if you haven't seen it. It's a fun wrestling movie um, that's got some heart to it. And believe it or not, Nick Frost is, has one of the most tender-hearted things he's ever done in a movie in that movie. Um, 
We can also get Happy Death Day to You, the sequel to the uh, highly successful Happy Death Day film. Um, you can check that out. I like that film a lot. Um, if you want to hear Liam Neeson say some awkward shit. Oh, wait, no, that's not in the movie. That's just in real life. Um, but you can watch Cold Pursuit, the film he was promoting when he said that awkward shit in 4K. You didn't wait, read it. You can, you? you can watch him say the awkward shit in 4K or... No, no, I, I was I, I I canceled that because I realized it wasn't the movie. So <laughs> well, damn it. Yeah, I mean it would be great to see news footage in 4K, wouldn't it? I will not be rewatching it. I was so bored in that movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, Spoilers: what? It's not going to make it on my 2019 film explosion. Oh well, boo. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. I mean, maybe I won't get bored. Maybe we watch movies differently. Uh, Brad, do you like? I mean. Uh, would you want to see a Buster Keaton movie? How about that? Okay. Okay. Well, you can get two of his films on Blu-ray from Cohen Media Collection, uh, The General and Steamboat Bill Jr., uh, which are considered two of the classic comedies that he made. So. Those were out already, but okay. Yeah. but Well, I, Kino Lober had him out, um, or one of the uh, Flickr Alley, one of the other two companies, but they always buy from each other. Like, you can always get, like, one version. So of Shout has it now? No, uh, Cohen Media. Cohen Media. Uh, okay. Cohen Media. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cohen Film Collection. Have that big square C. They've grabbed some Universal titles in the past, like the Old Dark House and stuff like that. But you can check it out there. Um, there's a steel book of the King Kong remake in 4K, which looks pretty neat. You can check that out. Uh, Mill Creek is putting out Ghosts of Mars, and I'm going to get that only out of obligation for completion. <laughs> so I will not rewatch it again. You're going to watch it to completion? No, no, because I want all the John Car- Carpenter films. So I-, I will watch it to completion. Yes, I'm going to masturbate to that film, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> just enjoy that. Just sink it. Let it sink in even longer because you're just you're going to wish it was there later. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's anything else. Um, there's a film called Mortuary. Looks like it's cheap. And it looks like it's got a gal who may be either ridden with forest disease or uh, mummy disease, something like that. I don't know. It's from 2005. Why don't you check it out? Oh, and I guess you can get a reissue of Anaconda. Yeah, Anaconda. Anyway, that's Blu-rays. Cool. That brings us to what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Aaron, what have you been watching? Oh, so uh, fun, funnily enough, I was listening to one of your other episodes. I think it was 392 or 393, and you mentioned uh, Zach having not seen Escape Room, and I watched Escape Room recently. Oh, really? What'd you think? You know, it's um, it reminded me a lot of Cabin in the Woods, mm. but it never reaches the the same level that Cabin in the Woods does, where you know it's very self aware and it's very tongue in cheek, and Escape Room tries to take itself too seriously. So as a like PG-13 horror thriller, there's no violence in it really and it's also not really very scary, so it just kind of doesn't like hit any of the marks it's I think trying to emulate with its premise. Um and then also just the adaptation of here's a popular thing, let's turn it into a movie somehow doesn't really work. Um and so the absurdity doesn't quite work because it doesn't have the that self-awareness that a movie like Cabin in the Woods had. Does it work better than most of that most films like that might? Like is it watchable? I would say it's it's watchable but only just. Hmm, okay. The trailers to me it looked more like Holodeck the movie. 
Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> holodeck uh, or like saw, but with uh, saw, with, but with dumb puzzles. <laughs> VR saw. VR yeah, saw. VR yeah, saw, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. a better one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or um, AR saw. I guess augmented reality. Yeah, yeah. AR saw. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> Why am I wearing depiction. these glasses? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, well uh, maybe I'll check it out if it's like ninety nine cents on Amazon. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna try and grab it in the dollar theater, but I always missed it. Yeah, now you can catch it in the dollar bin. <laughs> right. Yeah, if it's streaming, I'd say check it out, but otherwise, don't spend money on it. Um, okay, right. Oh. I uh, I watched the extremely wicked, vile, just whatever Bundy extremely movie. Wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. That's the one. Why did you shoot that duck, you asshole? <laughs> John um, Malkovich. <laughs> that was. Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I liked that the focus and Zach. We were talking about this before we started as well. But yeah, the, I, I watched it this week as well. <laughs> um, I like the focus that the movie starts with, but then towards the end, it shifts to being more focused on Bundy as opposed to his wife or ex-wife i guess now but um it does it does it tries to show how charismatic bundy was and how he was able to get away with the things that he did but instead of pulling it off in i they missed the mark instead of looking like a crazy psychotic person that you can't believe pulled off these things it's almost like they're saying look how awesome he was because he could pull off all of these things so it's it's got the wrong tone i think in that regard but overall it's it's a good film the performances are great and uh i did enjoy watching it mm-hmm. um and then we revisited austin powers international man of mystery yeah baby yeah um <laughs> which i assumed was going to have not aged well and we would turn it off halfway through and do something else <laughs> but surprisingly you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> that movie's great we did we did make it through and i was surprised how many of the jokes remained somewhat funny uh, a lot of them were no longer funny <laughs> and I appreciated a lot more of uh, just little aspects of the movie than 12-year-old me did when it came out. Like the fact that when they're in Austin's convertible in the 60s, the background is very clearly a screen with a projection <laughs> on it. But it's not done. It's almost done as an homage to that era of filmmaking, not as like a joke or a gag. It's kind of like what Pulp Fiction does when uh, Bruce Willis is or when Butch is in the car with the taxi driver. And she's like, have you ever killed a man? Like, it's basically that same thing where they're making fun of the backdrop. Exactly. Exactly. I think there's, I think there's yeah. even scenes like that in the James Bond movies, like the early ones that utilize that technique yeah yeah exactly so i appreciated that more and um there was some actually like surprisingly a very astute commentary on consent in one scene that i would not have expected from that movie i know right because he's <laughs> she's like she, she they're gonna have sex she's like no no you're drunk and i'm like yeah good for you austin yeah. <laughs> um so yeah those those were things that again when i was 12 i didn't pick up on but now i'm like oh wow they that was a good that was a good scene yeah, no. Good I, on you for doing that. I, I'm I'm actually like convinced that like I don't think you should make a fourth one, but if 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 Myers were to write and produce and not star in, but write and produce a reboot of that, that concept could work. I don't know how you'd do it, but like the whole man out of time, like thinking that it's okay to like be a swinger and whatnot, and it's totally not. Like it it, it would be relevant today. Um I've I've rewatched the second and third one recently, and they do not hold up. I like the second one still. Um, I do not like the third one anymore. Um, but Spy Who Shagged Me, like it was the first of his films I had seen in a theater, so it does kind of like have a memories nostalgia place in my heart. Um, and I also like the moment when uh, the woman who turns out to be a fembot keeps getting shot while he's ducking behind her, um, and he at one point he just goes, "Why won't you die?" <laughs> 
<laughs> um, right on. Cool. Austin Powers. Yeah. And that's all I can think of right now. I'm sure there's more, but. I don't know. Cool. Just interrupt later if you think of it. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We do that all the time. Uh, Zach, what did you been watching this week? <laughs> um, not a whole lot. I, I watched the Good. extremely wicked shock. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile film. Um, uh, and Aaron and I were talking about it earlier, but I think I'm a little more hip on it than, or not hip, but um, like uh, forgiving of it than he is. Because you um, think serial killing is cool? No, because I that's not the impression I got in the film. Now. My my thing is is that I already knew Bundy was bad going in. I just so... noticed this Ted Bundy poster on your wall. Where'd that come from? Oh well, you know it came out of Serial Killers Monthly. <laughs> um, I get it every week. Why are all the eyes crossed out on all your Wait, DVDs? If it's, yeah. if it's monthly, how do you get it every week? <laughs> Why's the door locked? <laughs> there are holes in your story, Zach. Yes, exactly. Um, guys, did you notice that you were shackled? Um, right Quick, what's the number for nine one one? <laughs> I love that joke. Um, no, but um, because I had watched that documentary a week ago, I knew like I already had the pre basis for everything. So like every time he's doing something, I'm creeped out by it already. But I had to watch it also from the perspective that I knew nothing about Bundy, and from that perspective, it's very interesting. And I think in that aspect, it's very good. I will say, though, and I agree with Aaron on this, they focus a little too much on Bundy um, and, like, not enough on his girlfriend. Like, that story should be predominantly her and then Bundy's a side supporting character, like... And it starts that way, but then it it shifts away from her. Exactly. Because then they want to show you, like, oh, he escaped from Aspen uh, Aspen Jail and uh, or the Aspen Courthouse, I guess. But uh, And then he escaped from jail again and... There is a catch-me-if-you-can type of vibe to this movie in certain places, which isn't ill-placed, but ill-advised <laughs> um, is the best way I would describe it. Um, I think the cast is great, though. Like, I, Efron's great in the film. It, it, this is like this is a performance you're not expecting out of him, and he pulls it off so well. Um, I think Lily Collins is the star of the movie. She gives an amazing performance in the film. Haley Joel Osment's great in it. Um, heck, even um, Big Bang Theory is good in it, too. Um, but I, I think like ultimately the, the thing you want to know about the film is that like, so it's, it's very, there's no violence in this movie at all whatsoever, like up until the last 15 minutes. And it's only one scene that they show, but like the whole film is basically just conversations that like talk about graphic shit, but they're not like, they're, they're, they're nothing being shown until like, until the revelation at the end, which I won't spoil because it is technically a spoiler, I guess, an emotional spoiler. I don't know how I how, how else do you describe it? Um, but yeah, and I mean the director of it, Joe Berlinger, who I've talked about numerous times on this podcast. I want to see him do more narrative features, but my biggest one of my bigger issues with the film is that he used a little too much archive footage. So I think he needs to. If I would have one piece of advice for this experienced Oscar-nominated director, it would be to not use, uh, not to meld the two genres so much. But you know, still a still an interesting watch. I'd highly recommend it. Um, and then the only other things that I'd watch this week were, uh, well, I watched the first two Spider-Mans with my nephew, but I didn't really like watch them. I was kind of like taking care of him while watching them while he was watching them. 
Uh, he responded very well to Bruce Campbell's cameo. Uh, he was transfixed when Willem Dafoe was on the screen. And uh, he really liked Spider-Man trying to make a web happen, but it wasn't happening. He started giggling when he was going like, up, up, and away, web. Um, and then Spider-Man 2, he sat through the first half and then crashed about halfway through. So he, he doesn't know how it ends. So he's he's wrestling now in his sleep, wondering what happens at the end of Spider-Man 2. I feel bad for him. Um, and then the That's last... your fault. It, it, I didn't let him... I didn't force him to go to sleep. You forced him to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're wait so by that logic you're saying that sam raimi's spider-man 2 is so boring it'll put a baby to sleep i didn't i didn't say it's so boring that it put it to sleep i'm just saying that like you forced your nephew to watch it and i didn't force him to it i put it on while i, while I was hanging out with him he didn't have a say in the matter he, you forced him to watch he's it one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> i w- if he would tell me what he'd want to watch he could have watched nothing and it's true. He could have just he, he could have just played with his toys. Yeah, you, but, you're trying to like babysit him, not like not do your job and have this television it, entertain him. Fair. <laughs> On the other hand, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was amazed though that he paid attention to as much of it as he did, though, because we can't get him to sit down for much. It's like, pretty colorful. Yeah, yeah, it is. The last thing we got him to sit in front of while he was here was an American Tale, and that's because it's an American Tale. Um, but so, yeah. And then the only thing else I've been watching is Star Trek, the next generation. Um, yeah. So you're on the inner light. That's a good episode. It is. Um, the episode before it, um, or maybe it's no idea. It's I Borg. I really liked I Borg with three of five, um, or Hugh. Um, I think that's a wonderful episode. Um, the, uh, the, 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 there was one before it though, where, uh, Deanna's counseling a kid who has an imaginary friend and the imaginary friend comes to life. Um, I thought that should have been more of a horror movie than it ended up being because it ended up just being like shitty version of the bad seed. Um, but like, it's still an interesting episode. I like the way it ends with Picard confronting the, the, the being that's taken the form of the imaginary friend, but it starts out like a horror movie, which is pretty cool where it's like the energy being is kind of going through the scene and that, that Star Trek visual effect way and everybody else is kind of just going about their daily lives, which I'm like, I appreciate seeing the daily life of the enterprise. Like it's kind of like one of those things that I don't see that often. And when I do, it's kind of a treat. So, um, and I like seeing the arboretum of the Star Trek ships. So those are always fun. Um, but yeah, I'm going to keep going, see what happens. And, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I was thinking about this with Iborg. It makes me not like I, I love first contact, but the idea of the Borg Queen now makes no sense to me because like the, it's supposed to just be a collective. So, right. It, but it, 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 never it was. But when they introduced you into it, it, it changed the collective. Uh, oh, right. Oh, am I misremembering? Well, because that's the whole dilemma of Hugh was like they wanted to use him to poison the well, basically. Yeah. But then they introduced like. You know, if he's a sentient, if he has individuality, then it's like wrong to use him to kill his own race. Right. Um, yeah. So they send him back, and he's just gonna like maintain the collect. Like he's gonna stay in the collective, but he remembers that he's friends with Jordy. Yeah, but his individuality, like he's gonna connect to the collective anyway. Yeah. So that still poisons the well. Okay. Which is, I think, is how the Borg Queen is created. Okay, so okay, then that makes sense. 
Because, like, when I first saw the series and then watched First Contact, like, I must have known. But, like, over the years, I've never really put the pieces together. Yeah, I always, I always thought it was always the Borg Queen and they just didn't know about it until the movie. Mm-hmm. But watching the series again, it kind of seems like that's what happened. And, and it's always the possibility, like, with anything with Star Trek, like, things just develop over time in the movies that don't retcon the series. But, like, it add new information that you didn't know. Yeah. Like like Chekhov knowing who the fuck Khan was in Star Trek Two, <laughs> like Chekhov, you weren't there that year. <laughs> or a Nemesis, you know they introduced B four instead of lore, you know like yeah yeah the whole series is just B four and lore, and all of a sudden the movie's like oh yeah there or sorry Data and lore yeah and then, and then all of a sudden it's B four yeah there's there's a third one yeah yeah which but I mean Nemesis is an interesting <laughs> piece which we should do a commentary on sometime. Um, anyway, that's all I watched this week. Nice. You reminded me uh, I watched um, Into the Spider-Verse again this Ooh. week, which is a great movie, great soundtrack. It's a wonderful film. Yeah, A, a true comic book come to life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I love the uh, when you can see the little dots for the coloring the on the- tones. Yeah, it's just, yeah, such the detail is insane. Is it possible that that is my favorite Nick Cage movie in the last five years? Mm. I think it is. Uh, Mandy? You like Mandy? Oh, I do like Mandy. <laughs> I do like Mandy. I've learned, you know, like I was t- a little tepid on it when we saw it, but I've thought about it more recently, and I did rewatch it like a couple weeks ago. I like that movie more now more. Um, I kind of wish it was still in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> that thing looks. Have you seen Mandy, Aaron? I have not seen Mandy it's yet. It's no. really good. I think Alamo's going to screen it again at some point. Or they already did. I'll, I'll let you know, Aaron. We'll go. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out for that because I did want to see it, but I just didn't get to checking it out. It was kind of, you know, Nicolas Cage. It is always a bit of a Gamble. concern. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if my wife's going to be okay with doing this. It's Nicolas Cage, and we all know how that can end up. So, it, and I forgot. Um, Panos Cosmatos is uh, the Cobra director's son, uh, George P. Cosmatos. Really? Yeah, that's his son. So they're both making action movies. <laughs> yeah, but he's, is he as crazy? No, I think Panos is crazier. Mm. Or I guess ruder, I guess. No, 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 then it's George. So I was watching the <laughs> the Cobra behind the scenes, and people did not like that guy. Yeah, I mean... Um, I think he's made Team Stone, so... I think Panos might be crazier, but George is probably more dickish. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Mandy, check it out. That movie's uh, very realistic, uh, realistic in terms of pacing uh revenge movie so i would check it out brad what have you watched this week uh this week i finished cheers so got through all 11 seasons of that did everybody know your name sure (laughs) were they always glad you came i don't know i wasn't there i was watching (laughs) them that's the right answer (laughs) so were you doing it to connect to the Fraser binge that you did earlier? Yeah, um, I, I I often just need something to play as I'm working, and so uh, is it on Netflix? Things or? that have like eleven seasons are really good for that because I can just hit it, hit it and go. Yeah. What were you saying? You, did you have it on Netflix or yeah, Netflix? It? Oh, nice, right on. Yeah, I'd watched it before uh, years ago, but since I just watched Fraser, I figured I'd go back through. And, you know, there's some like I'm also watching for the continuity lineups of you know Fraser's. Uh, like what Frazier says, you know, before his own series, you know, because in, in Frazier, you know, his mom's dead, but there's an episode where she's like giving Diane shit uh, while they're dating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a couple seasons later, she is dead. 
but like it never came up that she died until that like he makes an offhand comment mm. um characters who are in Frasier are characters that aren't the same characters in cheers like his dad john mahoney is actually cy flembeck who writes <laughs> jingles for commercials um ros doyle is a uh, like some campaign or journalist because woody uh ends up running for i think mayor right. of boston uh, or some or whatever district he's in uh so that actress who plays Roz is some other you know journalist character uh so it's fun seeing those kind of like things not line up um and then he, he also Fraser admits his dad's dead in, in cheers <laughs> but he's obviously uh and niles never comes up yeah obviously um, um yeah. It, it's interesting to to see like because this is the era before we really have like dvds and like, like just rewatch value beyond reruns like and fanboys so like they didn't really give a shit about the continuity they were still right. operating under that system of like well you air it once and then it's done and then maybe a rerun and in hurry we have to make 26 episodes you know in like four months so yeah. that uh, show's still amazing though i do love cheers yeah and also i was super impressed with how good the video quality of the episodes are on netflix like, oh yeah they're, they're really cleaned up oh yeah um i think around mid like season four the mastering dips a little bit mm -hmm. like it's a little pixelated but um and then it gets better by the end because just because filmmaking quality got better uh by the 90s if i remember because like that's why i was asking if it was on netflix because when it when i knew it was definitely on netflix was when i was still in film school and i watched it and it looked great i was amazed it looked yeah great. the first season especially is so sharp i know it's, um, it's pretty incredible yeah um, um and the the series finale uh there's a scene where they're um I think it's actually the whole last three episodes. I don't know, like someone got an, a note to pull the camera out farther, but you can see all the studio lights that are attached to the above the bar, like the glass rack. No, no, that's just what that's just what Sam wanted in the yeah, bar. Yeah, I guess he, he wanted, got a he discount wanted, on like he got studio lighting. Hey, lighting yeah. There was a production of Cats that yeah. was in Boston, and then he was able to get the the lights and put them in his bar. Yeah, so they'll show up a little bit, and that also opens up. Uh, there's a shot where they're watching like some awards show, mm -hmm. um, and so there's the cameras behind the TV at the bar, you know, looking at the bar itself, and everyone like looking back. Right, and you see the boom pole like cross above, like <laughs> between the lights, trying to get over to uh, Sam Malone. Was it like because I, I, I don't remember? Was I think it, it's the last it, episode. Is it that egregious or like? Is it like clearly? It's like so clearly there, or was it? Did it, it obviously? It's the first time I'd seen it. Okay, so yeah. all right, well. Um, and normally I'm not like my full attention on these things, so I was able to like in a moment's notice, yeah, look over and see it. So yeah, I th I'm uh, but to... I thought that's fun because I never really noticed those things. Yeah, the only time I really noticed it was in Funny People when uh, Adam Sandler's talking to Eric Bana, and you can see a boom, uh, a boom mic shadow like as clear as day, and it's distracting as all hell. Yeah. But anyway, cool. Cheers. Yeah. Um, and then today, uh, Batman Forever had a rescreening. Hell yeah. Doing the, the, I think, 80th anniversary of Batman's stuff. Yeah. So they're basically doing the first four Bat, Bat flicks. Yeah. I, I missed Batman and Batman Returns, but uh, Forever was available today. And uh, um, I was late to the to the movie by like a, a minute. Um, it so was empty. So they I bought my ticket. Your, so they revoked your nerd membership for being late, right? <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> um so i bought my ticket thinking i'd be the only person in the theater oh. um and then i tried to get concessions for a little bit but they were like not really attending to people so i was like screw it i'll just save some money and not get anything 
And in that short amount of time, I don't know if someone bought a ticket and went in, but when I got in there, there was somebody already in there with a huge bucket of popcorn. Um, so I was like, but no one bought a ticket before me. So how is this guy here? I'm guessing that he snuck into that screening. <laughs> um, what did he look like? Can you give the police a description of this assailant? <laughs> I didn't stare at him, but he seemed like a big guy and he had a, the, the biggest bucket of popcorn you could get. And then I think five minutes before the movie ended, some woman walked in and just started talking above me. So I think it was those two. So I think he was waiting for her for their real movie. And he got there early. And he was just like, fuck it, I'm going to watch some other movie. <laughs> so I almost had a private screening of Batman Forever. Uh, um, and it's not and it's, and it's not the same when you have to hear Kiss from a Rose at the end credits with that fat guy sitting in the same room with you. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, it would be awkward. Um, the movie itself, though, still hold up for you as okay entertainment? <laughs> yeah, growing up, it was, it was my second favorite Batman movie. But, uh, you know, then I rewatched Returns and that flip-flopped and it's... Um, you know, the Jim Carrey show, uh, Jim Carrey makes it more interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones really hamming it up. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that's the era. Like there's, I don't know what else he would have done. Um, you know, it would have been nice to see Billy D. Williams do that part, but probably only under, um, Tim Burton. Um, I don't even think that. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine Billy D. Williams doing that same performance. Like, no, he would have done something way cooler. Um, but yeah, growing up, like the f- production design, like really catches your eye. But being an adult, you know, I, I miss Anton First's. Yeah, the goth design. Yeah. yeah, that gothic style. Yeah. Um, which Art first? Deco. Which first died not too long after I think Returns or something like that. No, like shortly after just the first Batman. Oh shit! Yeah, so he didn't even do Returns. Hmm. So then, so, so nobody else did. Which is why Returns looks like slicker and. Wait, is Returns Ferretti? No, uh, Bo Welch. Oh, Bo Welch, okay. Yeah, who yeah. directed Cat in the Hat, which is currently on Netflix. <laughs> oh and yeah, my, my revisit. <laughs> God, that travesty. Oh, that's a movie that really hates its audience and hates humanity. <laughs> Even like Netflix has that like if you stop on it, it'll start playing a, auto playing a preview. Uh huh. Even the Cat in the Hat preview, I was just like, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is awful. Um, I saw that in the theater with my sister. Um, so yeah, Batman Forever. Yeah, Jim Carrey definitely. There were times where I, I started to nod off, but um, yeah, it definitely grabs your attention. Um, I still like the moment after he kills Ed Bakley Jr. where he's like, "Surf's up, big Kahuna." Yeah, <laughs> and the whole Chase Meridian stuff uh, just seems like <sighs> it seems like there's a lot of which makes sense because Warner Brothers is like, "Hey, we need to make this kid friendly." So here's a bunch of studio notes. And so it's just like, okay, Batman has to hit all these checkboxes. There needs to be like a romantic entanglement. Um, everything needs to be colorful so we can sell toys. Um, did those mandates say though, we need somebody who's like super horny for Batman at every given moment. <laughs> like, cause she's like horned up for Batman the entire movie. Yeah. I, that scene on the rooftop where she's just like, uh, like I'll buy the wine or whatever that was. I'm like, Oh my God, this yeah, is really weird. Really for cringy a kid's movie. Yeah. Um, but she has she has aged well. Like she, you know, after watching Destroyer early this year, and um, <laughs> what? Because the makeup in Destroyer, like I, 
Like it, it would have been different if you had said another Nicole Kidman movie where she wasn't buried in makeup. Well, there's <laughs> scenes in Destroyer where she's not in makeup. Oh, there are. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. There's so. like three generations of her in Destroyer. Oh, I've so. just seen the trailer. So. Yeah, there's stuff where they've ate, like de-aged her, like Marvel style, where she. And then there's like her current. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. Then never mind. Yeah, that's a bad joke. Um, but no, right on. Yeah. Like overall, this fun watch though. I'm sure in the theater. Like, yeah, it, it, it just checked a box off my list. Like, hey, I saw Batman Forever in the theater, and <laughs> Batman and Robin is next. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess I got to see Batman sixty six at some point in the theater. Uh, and the last thing I got to see because uh, it was snowing so much. Well, it wasn't snowing that much, but it was just like a bad situation on the road. I just pulled off of I twenty five after a film event and went and saw a Long Shot um, hmm. to try and kill some time. And wait for the storm to pass. How was and it? And that I really enjoyed. Like, it's a, it's a romantic comedy, which I don't like. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is fun because it's basically super bad. Like, raunchy super bad as a, as a romantic comedy and a little bit of, like, Hillary Clinton campaign okay. huh, mixed together. Um, it's really charming. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of wish fulfillment. Like, you know, uh, you know, you can tell... Uh, you know, like the like the the schlubby guy gets the really beautiful girl type thing. Um, you know, what if we, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, if if uh, weed was legal, how much better it would make the the country uh, type stuff? You know, I don't know. Why don't we ask each of us here in the room? <laughs> <laughs> we all live in the state where it's possible. <laughs> like, there's a scene where she, uh, Charlie's Theron, get Theron gets a high off of uh, Molly, and then she has to <laughs> negotiate a hostage situation. Um, and she gets away with it, you know? Hmm. Um, so stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I, cause I, I, at first I thought that that movie was supposed to be called Flarsky. So when I saw long shot, I was like, what's this all about? And I'm like, oh, it's the same fucking movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, it looks interesting. I want to see it. So that's good to know. I wasn't, I wasn't even considering it, but I might go check it out now. Yeah. It's like the, like the, the, the dirty humor is really like what kind of made it fun for me because hmm. um, it's it's really filthy in places. Seems like Rogan's having a bit of a resurgence because there's supposed to be another super badass film coming out later this year with like 10-year-old kids cursing up a storm. So Oh, yeah. I saw that. Good Guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the trailer for it or anything, but... I think it played before Long Shot and that's why I was like... Really? Yeah. Like, I, I saw it like come through like Slash Film or something, but I was like, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll eventually see the trailer somewhere so I didn't watch it then. But being forced to watch it ahead of this, it's like, oh, that it looks like Kid Superbad. Right on. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and yeah, Longshot makes some like cool points too about politics and things. So, right on. Sweet. Um, yeah, that's it for me, I guess. Cool. Great. Right on. What did we see this week? That brings us to our review of Detective Pikachu. Aaron, should people see Detective Pikachu? I think that you should see Detective Pikachu. It's uh, it's kind of what you expect, but it's fun. Zach, this is the best video game movie ever made. <laughs> I don't know how much that's saying. Have you not seen Super Mario Brothers the movie? I take that back. Super Mario <laughs> Brothers is still the best one. Thank if you. If nothing else, thank you. If nothing else, to watch Mojo Nixon play his guitar in Koopa Land. <laughs> wait, wait. Have you seen Double Dragon? I haven't seen Double Dragon. Oh, so this might be a third. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Well, this third is the place. third best video game. <laughs> wait, I do like the Tomb Raider. Wait, wait, wait. Have you seen Street Fighter? <laughs> God damn Sorry. it. Sorry. No, I have. Oh, okay, no, okay. So it's like the 10th best yeah. video this game. This is better than Doom. 
Better than Doom. Better uh, than better than the first Tomb Raider. Better than the first Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie, which I haven't seen. <laughs> Maybe um, the, the third one without her. Yes. Yeah, slightly better than the one they made without her. Um, although I like that one okay. Uh, no, uh, yeah, you should go see it. It's very cute. Um, I'm actually very surprised they got away with making this movie as good as they did. Um, I think the script's pretty solid. I have some issues with the third act, but um, not in the places where I thought I would. Um, and some of the editing's a little weird in my eyes, but uh, I think the whole cast is wonderful, too. I like Justice Smith in it. I think he's fun. Um, Ryan Reynolds thankfully didn't do what I thought he would do in this movie, um, which is just Deadpool around. So, um, uh, and the Pokemon and the art direction and the set design of this thing, like the visual effects and the art design and the set deck look great. Like this is, this looks amazing. And the cinematography is pretty special because it is shot on film. It does look like a detective movie. So I appreciated it. So yeah, I'd go check it out. It's a fun time at the movies. Uh yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting watch visually. It's it's amazing um that uh like a studio would allow this much uh this high level of production uh for a Pokemon like property. Yeah. Um so that's good. Um uh it's fun. It's it's charming. Uh Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu actually you know, makes sense when you watch the movie that it's more than just a uh you know, like a marketing ploy to get people into the like it, like it is, but it's also like it, it makes the story actually makes sense as like as to why he's able to talk, mm-hmm. um, more than just like some MacGuffin. Um, but but uh, story wise, like being a detective movie, I wish it was more of a more interesting mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the only thing that hurts it for me is I wasn't really engaged in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just more interested in the gags. So uh, here's the trailer for Detective Pikachu. So there I was. I woke up with a heavy case of amnesia in the middle of nowhere. The only clue to my past is Harry's name and address inside this hat. So I made my way to the apartment, and that's when I found you and your stapler gun. Stop talking! You're a hallucination! You're a hallucination. So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine. I can stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black as night. Thank you, sweetie. I don't know. Maybe Harry got in too deep. Mixed up with the wrong crowd, that kind of thing. Look, you can talk to humans. I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a world-class detective? Ah, my clues. What is all this? Harry is still alive. Case closed. But still open until I solve it. All right, here it is. Harry faked his own death. Or somebody else faked Harry's death. Or Harry faked somebody else's death. That last one doesn't work no. at all. I've dealt with this putz before, so I'll just do it again. Hey, bud, what are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. Get me the hell out of here! 
twist. That's very twisty. Get him! He's barely moving. Don't tell him that. Oh, he's on a bike. Quick, get in front of him. Stop. Oh, no. He's going down hard, Tim. Should have worn a helmet. I agree with you because I think at some point in the third act especially, but I think also, I guess, throughout the whole film, there seems to be a lack of focus on how to do that mystery element correctly. And we are very enamored with Pokemon in this movie uh, as a whole. So, which I want it to be, but I liked all the, anytime they did something detective-y, I loved it. Yeah. Everything they did something Pokemon-y, I loved it. But it's so but not flashy. as much as I like the detective stuff. It's so flashy and bombastic in places. Like it kind of pulls me out of trying to follow the clues to where I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to sit back and let you tell me what's going on. Yeah. Uh, which you know, it, I I want to be able to f- be Pikachu and kind of connect the dots myself. Right. Uh, so this movie doesn't really give me space to do that. But I don't think it was ever going to intend to do that. So like maybe I went in with the expectation of like I'm going to be spoon fed something. Yeah, so, it's it's fine. intended for a younger audience, obviously, but um. You know, even Pixar is able to do things that feel like a like a things are happening on like a deeper level, right? And unfortunately, we can't expect Warner Brothers to operate on that same level. Which we kind of get that with a uh, like the father son story, mm-hmm. which I I I, th- I thought was um, like I sort of saw it coming, um, but again, that's why uh, him being able to talk makes sense. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool because otherwise it would have just been like, oh, well, they just got Ryan Reynolds because he's funny. Yeah. Um, the, the spoilers is that the reason why is because Mewtwo, the uh, the, the, the 150th Pokemon. Um, which blew my mind because I thought like he was a big villain in the games, right? He's he's a like a hidden you can find him and catch him and he's one of the best ones you can get but it's not like a story piece in it yeah and then if you hack at the, least the original game yeah and if you hack the game correctly you can get Mew so <laughs> well I watched the first cartoon movie and he was like the villain in that right yeah but that's I think the movie, so yeah. not the game okay yeah, so the, the, the game and the movie don't necessarily very, cooperate very different yeah different okay. trajectories in those the, gotcha. the, the movie's just very much hey you're catching him hey you catched him. What next? <laughs> I remember very little beyond the Pikachu slap fight in that first one. Like That's I was a, cracking up because I thought it was hilarious. I like Meowth uh, giving the monologue about like you know I learned something today. <laughs> I just realized there's no, no Meowth in this movie. Yeah, that actually, that's a good yeah, point. That, I didn't notice one. That was an asshole move not to put him in this movie. He would have been. He could have talked with Detective Pikachu. I mean, him for the sequel. Yeah, you got to save stuff for the sequel. But still, I was like, yeah, he's actually pretty well known. Yeah, but I guess even Jigglypuff only got one scene. Yeah. Right, that's true. I mean, yeah, but Psyduck though, I want Psyduck. A, I want a, a lot of time. Yeah. yeah, I want a Psyduck in a little fucking <laughs> <laughs> children's carrier. <laughs> what 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 do you think your guys' Pikachu or your Pokemon would be? Because everyone in this you know, world has a companion. Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Mine would be Pikachu because that's like because you're the lame. only one I give a shit about, yeah, and you're lame. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm lame. <laughs> I think uh, I think I'd have a, a sand shrew. I like those. They're little like armadillo things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have one of the ghost Pokemon. So uh, either uh, Ghastly, Gengar, or um, uh, the ball floating one. I think Gengar because he's a ghost, but he's also fat. So he kind of represents both my ideologies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Zach identifies with fat ghosts. <laughs> For full details, see Real Nerds Pod Show yeah. season episode four. You're not fat in that though. That's true. I'm skinny in that one. <coughs> yeah. Um. Other than that, though, I guess like I Psyduck because I get confused a lot. So, <laughs> and it creates an explosion. <laughs> I will say one of my favorites is Torterra, so that was cool that that showed up in the in the movie. Which I I liked that sequence. I had an issue with the way it was edited, like. Like any time it felt like they were cutting away to the Tataris like underneath and then like it would cut away to the action and as if that was already happening like there was no like through line to it like it felt like the continuity of it was broken up like it's an action scene so I guess it can do whatever it wants but now that that scene did kind of feel like a mess to me too yeah. when I was watching it, it yeah, didn't like feel is, is the lab destroyed cuz it's not like they ran very far from it before that happened and then what's his name <laughs> like that the, like the one I forget the the villain characters, but his son was there and captured, so he didn't get swallowed up and all that. And then also, like he is the good guy by the end, so why is he capturing? Be- because that bad guy who the, that oh, bad, that's right, it was Ditto. It was Ditto, I which I liked that twist a lot. I was like, it's a Ditto, like my, oh shit! My crowd went nuts, and I had no idea why it was that like why that was popular. I'd never heard of Ditto before because he because he makes because he imitates other Pokemon, but he's just got like. Creepy eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. so that's it. That's why everyone was like in an uproar. I think it's like it's what's interesting about this film is like I so I don't remember like I loved Pokemon when I was like seven, eight, nine years old. I fell off of it because I grew up. And then I got into the Pokemon Go game, uh like running around because like, I liked walking around catching shit and I would remember some of these Pokemon, but I didn't like I had an emotional connection to the cartoon, I guess, to some degree when I was younger. So when I saw everybody pop up that I recognized, I was like, oh, oh. And that's what this movie really wants you to do is really wants you to remember those Pokemon. Uh, and it does a good job of it. Um, I Like I said, I have a problem with that third act in terms of it not being a good mystery movie. But I love when it becomes a bombastic Pokemon movie at the end of it. Uh, and it's it's Bill Nighy, right? Mm-hmm. Playing Mewtwo or Mewtwo inside of uh, Bill Nighy. And I liked him floating around, like, fighting Pikachu. Like, that that's a Pokemon movie I thought about in my head when I was a kid. Um, but, yeah, and then I think that I liked that twist at the end with Ryan Reynolds, um, and I thought it was a very nice scene at the end. It's expected, but also since it's a kid's movie, I kind of give it a pass because they, they handle it maturely. I don't think they handle it stupidly, which I appreciated. Right. It, it's got heart to it, but it's not over the top. Like Exactly. Like, it's it's... It's very soft. Like, it's not beating me over the head with a stick, so. Um, I'd like to say, too, with the Ditto, something I thought was really cool was they show the Ditto earlier on when they're recording in the studio turn into a person to push the Bill Nye's wheelchair away. Oh. And I thought that was a really good kind of clue that later it could have been the people, you know. Forgot about that. So this movie's really genius. No, it it is good foreshadowing. I didn't think about that because he's the guy who rolls him around in the wheelchair and then, oh, but you only, I mean, it's a really short, quick thing that the ditto sitting there like pops up and starts pushing him away and then they move to something else. So it didn't even hit until we were driving home and I was like, oh, wait a minute. We saw him do that earlier and I just, you know, wouldn't have thought that that would have come back. But another question I have is, does his son not recognize his own father's voice because doesn't hang out with him that often? I guess not. Yeah, it, I, they did kind of imply that he left when he was younger and they didn't really talk anymore. So you might forget what he sounded like, but I mm. feel like that you probably would notice it. Okay. 
or you know Ryan Reynolds when he was younger probably sounds different than the way Ryan Reynolds sounds when he's older. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean if the if the if the uh, honest trailer guys can get Ryan Reynolds onto their videos, then we can call Ryan Reynolds right now and ask him what the answer is, and he'll give us a snarky answer, and then we can help him promote Deadpool three. And we'll laugh and laugh. Um, I was gonna say, has any have any of you guys? Because you weren't on the episode, but have any of you guys seen Happy Time Murders? I wasn't on the episode. I've seen it. No, but you weren't there for the episode. It was me and Ryan only. I didn't talk about it the next week, though. I don't remember, but so but you have seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. But you haven't seen it, Aaron. I haven't seen it. No, that's ba- this movie does what Happy Time Murders tried to do way better. Um, in the idea of just like, hey, take like a IP ish world and do a detective story in it. It's basically the same thing, except not problematic and full of dumb puppet jokes. So, um, I appreciated that they were able to kind of like fall into that world. It also had a bit of Roger Rabbit element to me of it, not like the same rules, but I said the same thing. Like it, it reminded me of those classic combinations of live action animation where. Like you can tell it's not quite, it doesn't quite line up, but it's, it's got that charming element because of that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just, I really, it made me think of those kind of older. Yeah. They, they played the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer ahead of my screening. And you know, there's, there's, there's a movie where it looks like, you know, Detective Pikachu, they went out of the way to build Rhyme City as like an, like a real kind of foreign world and or a pokemon city yeah where sonic the hedgehog looks like well we just threw sonic the hedgehog into your everyday life and that's about it in georgia (laughs) yeah in georgia um so all you're gonna get is cgi characters and you know they have to deal with the fact that but part of the charm of the game is you know the fantasy worlds that exist within it so it's i hope they while they're also remodeling the character they kind of think about Changing nope. the backdrops. Yeah, bringing, a, bringing Green Hill Zone in or Casino. Or, yeah. you know, James... Well, it, but it also sounds like from the trailer that that movie's sol- solidly taking place on Earth and not in anything Earth-related. Yeah, because like, I think Sonic even says, like, well, I have to save your world or something. Your planet. He yeah. says, I have to save your planet. I saw that trailer this morning. He... Oh, God. I, I, I'm i not even a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, and I don't want to see that movie. Yeah, we've got the Avengers. We're good. Let's go to Sonic's planet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, that... Um, Sonic I is was, Captain Marvel. <laughs> I was really glad that the pushback caused the studio to say they're going to redesign the, the Sonic model, because, yeah, it's it's pretty awful. They should have made that call, though, like, so long ago. And is Paramount doing it? I think... I don't know. I, I think it's Paramount doing it's, it. Yeah. I think it's Paramount, the, yeah. The rings replace the stars and the logo. That, right. that studio needs to... Maybe like like I know any better, but they need to stop. Like they, they're. I'm sure Disney's bad. like creeping in. They're like getting close. <laughs> just the Disney warship is Dun. hovering over that mountain. Yep. I just imagine Robert Shaw like putting his uh, claw against the blackboard, going like, "I'll get you, studio." <laughs> Mickey Mouse with the infinity glove. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you put that Paramount Stone in here. <laughs> Balanced as all things should be. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> Wipes out all of the studios. <laughs> Paramount is getting hugged by Warner Brothers. I don't feel so good, Mr. Brothers. <laughs> I don't want to go. Five years later, Orion comes comes back. He's like, do you remember that time that I felt all dusty? <laughs> no, Orion's Captain Marvel. Because then it comes in, helps out for a bit, and then goes away again. <laughs> what was the, There was a recent Orion movie that showed up this year. What was it? Is it The Prodigy? Well, that's one of them. I know that's... 
<laughs> it was something. It was something I actually saw. I can't remember what it was. You know, they're coming back next month though with Child's Play. That might be it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like uh, Mark Hamill being in that. Like the the one voice hint they dropped at the end of that new trailer. That was cool. But yeah, Detective Pikachu. Fun fun flick. And again, I like that he, Ryan Reynolds didn't do the Deadpool thing. Like it, it's more of a character. And I know part of that's because since he's not live on set, he's not going to be telling up a joke storm. But like that's what that trailer was really pushing for us in terms of our, our like our like demographic. I felt like he was the same character, but he just had less filthier jokes to play with. I feel like there's more. There's there's there's. Not to say kindness, I guess there's... Like, yeah, I think there was, like, two jokes, actually, that I noted that had, like, innuendo in them that kind of got... Flew under the radar. Right, but it... I can't did, remember what they were, though. But it always felt like when he was quipping, he wasn't doing it to break a fourth wall. Like, he was always within the situation. It didn't, like... He never turned to the camera. Yeah. Or did anything like true. that. Um, I think the closest he gets is when he goes, that's very twisty. But it's also like, well, he's looking through a magnifying glass. He's a fucking Pikachu. He can do cute things and it's adorable yeah yeah now i was actually surprised how much i laughed at the humor in the movie like i I had expected it especially with the pg rating and everything it was going to be a kid's movie it wasn't going to work i assume because it was ryan reynolds he'd sneak in a few inappropriate jokes that you kids wouldn't pick up on Mm -hmm. Um, and it it delivered on that but i was i laughed quite a bit during the movie which surprised me i think it happened like uh when he's like they're in his childhood room and uh, they're talking about his mom or something. I think there was some kind of like sexual innuendo joke that flew, flew by and I can't remember what it was. No, but there is a there's a fun serial killer one where he's just like uh, he notices that his bed's uh, got Pikachu ears and he's oh, just yeah. like he's just like are you going to are you going to kill and stuff me? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, oh, I gonna- love when he's singing the. Pokemon theme song oh, down yeah. the road sad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was funny. That was good. That's like, because that's the one thing throughout this movie. I'm like, are they going to acknowledge that song and all? At some point, I'm like, no, they're not. And then, bam. Uh, There's some music cues that are like instrumentals of it. Yeah. And then, so. and they also like, the, the score's got a nice, like, it reminds me of the game's music mixed with like that 8 bit feel of it. But it's like, it's never like overt. It's just kind of sprinkled into the score. Yeah. The post credit motion graphics was uh, like really, like, Art design wise, I thought really good too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, um, including the like the Smash Brothers theme. And I and I know we kind of like like I'm, I'm never like I don't like I'm trying to think because like if you're thinking of a film that has the best visual effects like each year, like to me the visual effects have to serve the story and they're not necessarily about realism or like authenticity. Like it's about like does it serve the story well. I'd make an argument that this is some of the best special effects I've seen in a movie this year next to Endgame, because it does serve the story really well. Like those Pokemon feel like they're supposed to be there and it's not distracting. They don't look like cartoons necessarily, but they don't look realistic either. Like they're they're It's the best middle ground. It's kind of like when the peanuts movie that came out from blue sky, isn't CG for a good reason. Like it's kind of just a flat thing. It's the same thing. So I was just blown away by those visual effects. Like, I want another Pokemon movie. Maybe something different. Like, I don't need another Detective Pikachu. Um, Yeah, it's actually titled Pokemon colon Detective Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. So there might be some, like, sub-Pokemon genres, though. Pokemon Team Rocket. Yeah? Yeah. 
They're building a Pokemon universe. Yeah. Oh, hashtag it's all their Iron Man. <laughs> hashtag it's all Poke connected. <laughs> yeah. They uh, just speaking of the the world building aspect too. I really appreciated the Rhyme City um, looking distinctively like a city in Japan, and that they drove on the left hand side of the road and everything. So it had these like little nods to the um, to the country of origin of Pokemon but still didn't feel like you were necessarily there or you were necessarily in a place in the United States. It was very, uh, like it could, it was a, a city that could exist, but you didn't know where it could exist, you know? And it, yeah. I really appreciated that, yeah. those aspects of it. And the production design did that well, even in the city before rhyme city where like the cars all have like foreign ish license plates, but they could be Europe. It could be Japan. It could be anywhere. But then the storefronts kind of look like small town America. Like, it, like the production design work in this film is really, really good. Yeah, I really appreciate that they, you know, often movies like this get really heavily Americanized, mm -hmm. and they really did, like, uh, like they really treated the source material like yeah. res I th respectfully. I think the yeah. only thing that seems even remotely Americanized is the fact that he's an insurance salesman at the beginning of the film, and that that's like the the smallest thing because like every other aspect from like. The like you know the the news the, the news the newsroom that she works that the gal works at all the way up to like you know different like these are things that are sprinkled out throughout those cartoons like they would always make commentary on things like it's dumb commentary but it's commentary um, and I like the cue bone scene in the field the <laughs> yeah beginning. that was fun that was like a cool hey this is what it's like to capture a Pokemon moment I dug it it was with, the only time a Pokeball is in that fucking movie with Karen Sony from Deadpool. <laughs> Dopender, yeah. Yeah, Dopender. <laughs> um, the the news part you just reminded me in long shot. Uh, Andy Circus is in the movie <laughs> as like a R Rupert Murdoch type. Are you serious? Yeah, but oh, wow, he's in such he's in so much makeup. Like I only recognize him from the voice initially. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else about Detective Pikachu? No, go go see it once again. Like they they pulled it off. I can't believe they did. Yeah, I want to know where they shot parts of it because there were a few shots that, especially Ariel's looking down when they were driving and stuff, where I was like, "This looks like Scotland or Iceland," but it, it just didn't look like the U.S. anywhere. But I don't know where they would have shot it. So yeah, they shot it at Rhyme City. <laughs> it's all real, guys. It's all CGI. <laughs> um, cool. What are we seeing next week? I think next week is John uh, John Wick Three. Oh shit. So, oh, the 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 turn off your brains, sit down, and just enjoy some crazy action. The 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 head start is going to be over once that movie starts. They're going to all be after him. He's yeah. going to need guns, lots of guns. I love that they use that line in that trailer. <laughs> I can't wait to find out more about why this uh, universe is just populated with assassins and they do anything else. It's just an, an, an entire economy based on assassins. I don't know. Why is he so upset about his dog dying? Like it's, it's all a movie world, man. It's, it's a wonderful movie world. We all, he's live got in. two dogs. They're fighting with him in this one. I know exactly. Oh man. Something, I feel like something bad's going to happen to one of those dogs. Oh fuck. If not both. Who do you think he fight? Like, who's like, I, cause I've seen the cast list and whatnot. Is it, Who's going to be the ultimate bad in it? Is it Holly Berry? Because it doesn't seem like it would be Holly Berry. I think it's um, Mark Descascos from Double Dragon. <laughs> um, okay, cool. <laughs> name drop those people I don't know about. <laughs> um, did you notice in the in the trailer when Angelica Houston's talking to him uh, about the dogs and they only use like a clip of her turning to him and saying it, but it's clearly dubbed 
overdubbed just because they want to use that angle. And yeah, it's not actually what she's saying. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you gotta you gotta sell a movie sometimes. That, but I do have to remember to rewatch uh, Wick one and two because uh, Wick two is great. <laughs> but it probably means that joke's not in the movie. It's guns, just in the trailer. Guns, lots of guns. Don't you remember that this is the franchise where the dogs die? Yeah. Right. So yeah, we'll see that next week. Um, also, thanks again uh, for everyone who came out for our 400th episode recording yeah. last Monday. Yeah. Um, you'll hear that in a couple weeks when it actually. It's amazing it turned into an orgy so quickly at that show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's pretty disgusting that we recorded the audio of it, so it sounds even grosser. It, it sounds like the opening it. to the movie Society. It's very, very annoying and very, yeah. very disturbing. So you're going to have to use your imaginations, which is way worse than actually seeing it. Also, I can't believe I ate an entire turkey leg while involved in the orgy. Like, that was definitely not necessary, but... Yeah, and you didn't share it, so that was even ruder. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I'm I'm rude and shocking. I'm extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. <laughs> um, but the game was fun, and I think we should probably bring a little bit back for our um, Denver Comic Con Oh God. show which is how, june how, 1st how long is our block though 45 minutes you think we could fit it in we'll just talk about less 1989 stuff that's true maybe just do one round of the game all right there's i won't talk about the fall of the berlin there is that. another like family <laughs> feud game show at the con so we can't steal all of the thunder but there is also a 1999 panel so what if we did a 2009 panel just to show them up <laughs> <laughs> Remember stuff from 10 years ago? <laughs> we don't either. <laughs> you remember the blind side? What a piece of garbage. <laughs> uh, yep. Oh, that reminds me of the Star Trek reboot 10 years old. And I saw an article about like, like like praising it. And then I read that comment section and I shouldn't have done that. I should have followed the Wreck-It Ralph rules. Never yeah. read the comment never, section. Never God. do that. I don't know why. I was just like, does, does it hold up for people? And then I opened up a whirlwind of hell. <laughs> At least there was no Star Wars movie in 2009, so... Yeah. Well, not all bad. Yeah, that's true. No, but it's good we've got Star Wars. It's just... it's. it's that's good we have it now, but it, I'm saying it's it, good that it wasn't in 2009. Yeah. Because yeah. then... Oh, oh, there would have been a like a battle, like Middle Earth style to end all battles. <laughs> you see people with tricorders throwing, th- throwing their phasers at people with lightsabers. It would have been hilarious. Doesn't IGN and Slash Home articles about which is better, the 2009 Star Trek or the 2009 Star Wars? Go at it. And then I'll sit on top of a roof with a bowl of popcorn going like, A Serious Man's the best movie of the year. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check us out at Denver Pop Culture Con. We have a panel June 1st at 530. Um, we'll have a booth. Uh, we'll interview 102. you. Yeah. Stop by. We'll do interviews. Uh, pick up our pint glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, we have T-shirts. Back to the Future style. Yes. And they and they look awesome, by the way. Yeah, I have it displayed on my right shelf now. right now. So. Oh, yeah. Want to be cool like me and have it on your shelf? You Got to come to the con and get that glass and then put it on your shelf. Buy two so that you have a backup in case one breaks. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I want you to buy all the glasses <laughs> so I don't have to take them home. Um, and I can pay off my credit card. <laughs> basically, if you don't find a way to get all these glasses bought, Brad sells me on the black market. So, that's right. You know, and I'm not worth much. So. I'll break some of them and cut Zach and then sell Zach on the black market. Oh, my kidneys are worth a lot of money. Yep. Yeah. Hell yeah, they are. 
Cool. Aaron, thank you for coming by, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Hopefully it will be less than two years the next time I get <laughs> to come back on the show. No, yeah. no, man. Shoot. We do this every week, so you know you know where to find us. <laughs> Hi, Zach. Are we recording today? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's a movie you're waiting for t- coming out? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I You know, this year I feel like... It was pomp. It was so, it? <laughs> like, there was so much hype for Endgame, and I was so stoked for it, and it came out on my birthday, and it was like, that was my big, like, oh, man, we got to do this. And now I'm like, shit, what else is coming out this year? I'm very, <laughs> I feel like I'm just not aware. I, like, was so focused on that. But I'm really excited for the new Spider-Man. I think that's going to be fun. Cool. Uh, I really love Tom Holland in that role. He's just the best. Um, and especially knowing the the tie-ins and the aftermath with Endgame, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. So I take you liked Endgame? I did, Yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, but otherwise, yeah, I really need to just see what's actually coming out this year. We got Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Every time I see that new trailer, I I want to see which a guy we went to school with, I think, worked on that. So, ooh, you have to tell me who after we're wrapped. I will do that. Yeah, I don't want to spill the beans live, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, new Star Wars movie at the end of the year. Ooh, yeah, that's another Rambo coming out. Yeah, we got Uh, that. Aladdin, Lion King. Uh, I'd rather watch Rambo five than watch those two Disney movies you just (laughs) mentioned. I think, um, I think Star Wars is the only one I'm really like. Yeah. Looking forward to. Yeah. Brightburn looks interesting. Oh yeah. Brightburn, yeah. Dude, is that supposed to come out this month? Mm, no, I think it's July. That would make more sense. I just I just thought it was May for whatever reason, but but yeah, no that and uh, God, <laughs> this. Yeah, I don't know. Booksmart is the one I'm looking forward to. Mm. It's coming out in a couple weeks, um, but that's just because I want to see Olivia Wilde's debut. So. Um, but anyway, yeah, John Wick three next week. Exactly, John Wick three Parabellum. Parabellum, yeah. yeah. Until next week, though. Bye. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neverless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.